If you believe the words of that song, will you stand in faith right now and pay homage and honor to the presence of our Lord? He promises through his word that when the first two of us gathered with the purpose of coming in his name, what name? That name. The name of Jesus. He said, when you gather my name, I'm going to show up. He is here. And it's amazing in corporate worship services how that he just moves so gently, but yet so faithfully, just touching hearts. Some of you are whispering prayers right now. They're not being lost. He hears us. Some of us aren't even expressing in words their sentiments and their thoughts, and yet he knows how to honor that medium as well, and he begins to minister to us. Right now, would you just receive his peace? He's the only source of real peace. He is the prince of peace. You need peace today. It's his to give. And he has an unlimited supply. You need peace in your marriage? Reach out to him. You need peace in your finances? He's the Prince of Peace. You need peace for just some anxious thoughts that you have, what the new year may bring or what you've heard it's going to bring that doesn't come in alignment with what you desire. Would you just right now, in faith believing, call his name out? We use a lot of words, but the name of Jesus. Just would you whisper his name? No one's recording you, but he's hearing. You might want to whisper, you might want to shout it. Just Jesus. 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 He touched me. Jesus. Everything is in that name. He touched Jesus. Sing it again. Let it be your song now. Oh, he, he touched me. Thank you, Jesus. 
In faith believing, we're believing for the miracle. In faith believing, we're believing for our answer. In faith believing, we hold you to your word that cannot fail. And you sealed it with your own shed blood. And you've offered it to us throughout the corridors of time. And today, 2018 wrapping up, 2019 is just moments away. But your word hasn't changed. Your will hasn't changed. We honor you. We glorify you. We believe in you. And we receive from you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Before you're seated, turn to two or three and just confirm your faith. And just say, he's touched me. I claim it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Among the many things that he offers us, one of those things is a free life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. In other words, we've been given an opportunity to receive, through Jesus, a life of freedom. Grace Life Church, we, of course, adopted that name now three years ago. And as we were changing from the Marietta Church of God name to Grace Life, we put together some things we believe was from the Lord directly for us to be tools to measure by and to promote. Of those, we talked about our core values. We see that tree of life, and it represent, it's represented in the trunk. We also have the communication, the five E's, that we can experience God, encounter His presence, be empowered, be equipped, and engaged. But the very soil of grace life, again, all these things are in five words because the number of grace is five, you will find among generosity and worship, these others we listed there, freedom. And this is where it comes from, the biblical position of a free life, a life so free that you and I use the expression, we have free will. We get to choose. He offers it. We can either receive it or not receive it by choice. He offers us life. Will we receive it? He offers us eternal life. Will we receive it? He offers us deliverance. Will we receive it? And along with this, we're so free. Now, we'll be held accountable. But we're so free that we can choose, again, to be disobedient. And in that, this is why... Paul was writing, he said, don't take this freedom as an opportunity to satisfy the flesh and blame God for it. Hello? <laughs> How many times have we seen that happen? Well, God told me to get with that woman's not my wife, it's the other guy's wife. Oh, really? God must have had a bad day. It tells us to take that same freedom, and we're going to use that word opportunity again, it's opportunity, and here's what makes us unique. Who's us? Believers. Christ followers. He says, in love we serve one another. Well, there's a passage that I want to read from. I typically don't read 
uh, as many verses as today, but it's a complete parable, and I just feel like I would do an injustice if we didn't read the whole passage. As you're standing, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, I'm going to read verses 1 through verse 16. As, as I was directed back to this parable of the vineyard, it's been a while since I visited it, and this time I took the opportunity to go back to some commentaries, and what never <laughs> spoke to me in the past <clears throat> really spoke to me this time. These different writers, different theologians from different times all come back and say, this may be the most standout parable of them all, and you're like, now wait a minute, there's other parables that I, oh man, I just think of immediately when I hear the word parable, and yet... I think when we read this again, we may come in alignment with how these others feel, especially in the time we're living in. So again, Matthew <clears throat> chapter 20, excuse me, <clears throat> beginning verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour. And the ninth, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. <laughs> this is an incredible story. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those, <clears throat> boy, can we find ourselves here? Now when those hired first came, they they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled. Can you imagine that? At the master of the house saying, these last worked only one hour. We timed them. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day. You've got to lower your voice when you get to these parts. And uh, then you raise your voice, scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. Thank you for your word, God. And help us to get another vision of who you really are and insight to the depths of your wisdom that just doesn't come natural to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to somebody at your seat and say, man, this is a good word.
Thank you, sir. I'll pay you later. I tell you, this, uh, I found myself laughing reading this. I found myself saying, ouch, reading this. I found different faces coming up in my mind as I was reading this. Not that my face ever showed up. What a, what, what, what a parable. And again, already, now that we're kind of giving it a little credence, a little honor, you're like, maybe it really is one of those Mac Daddy parables. And can you imagine this first century group hearing this? And uh, But here we are so many centuries later and saying, wow. And what we can't miss again is all these parables are teaching the kingdom. And we hear kingdom talk quite a bit in our churches. We hear kingdom talk from different ministers on the radio, television, our books, many of the titles uh, have the word kingdom. But here we are again confronted with the fact that the kingdom is different than the world's culture. And you and I find ourselves torn between the two. And in moments like this, in corporate worship, we're automatically leaning toward, I want to say yes to anything that's kingdom, but come Monday, living in the throes of a world culture, doesn't come natural to us. Let the Spirit of God guide us through the day with kingdom principles, or do we find ourselves succumbing to the moment, and are we find ourselves living a double life? Many times we do if we're very honest, and we find ourselves saying, then this is what I'll do at church, this is what I'll do at prayer meeting, this is what I'll do when I'm on the phone with certain friends, and this is what I do when I'm at work and when I'm at play and when I'm doing this. And yet again, the kingdom is always here. And what we get at the very beginning is this, it's his kingdom. It's his vineyard. It's his produce or fruit. It's his purposes. It's his heart. And it's his choice. It's all about him. And I love the wording here again. Instead of the word king with the kingdom, we find the word master. And of all the different titles that we give our Lord, this one we just can't afford to lose because it still has that feeling of strength to it, that he is the master of the sea, that he is the master of our lives. And in, here, in this case, he's the master of this plantation, and in that he has this vineyard. It's his. It's all his. And so we come back and realize it's his purpose but it's our privilege. It's his purposes. It's all his. The earth is the Lord's and all the kingdoms of the world. They're all his. But he gives us the privilege to be a part of the kingdom. Depending on as we come to Christ and, and, and really dedicate our life to say, okay, I truly want to be a Christian the rest of my days. For some of us, we're reached as children, some of us as teenagers, some of us in our adult years, some even in the twilight years. Along the many of us would tell our stories of, well, I prayed then, but I've, I walked away, I came back. There's all kind of stories going on. Somewhere along the way, I trust that we come to this place of saying, 
but I truly want you to be my master. I want to get a listening ear to your voice, and I want to honor you in all that I do, in business, in marriage, and how I raise my children, how I influence my grandchildren. I want you to be the master. So again, here we are realizing we have this privilege. Now what we have to give is a little more insight to this parable. And, and again, what, what I love, and those of you who have the privilege of going to Israel, and if you haven't, I trust that you'll make it a bucket list. It really does help you to see the land, to see the people of the land, and once again, then all these stories, especially the parables, really come to life, and you realize Jesus wasn't just trying to be eloquent or being a wordsmith. He took everyday life, the imagery that was before them, and said, now let me teach you about the kingdom as I use this bush over here that has, uh, it's a mustard seed, uh, it's, it's a mustard plant, and, and it has seed. I want you to look at that. When he talked about a city set upon a hill, you and I, <clears throat> sitting here in the sanctuary, think, well, that, that was a nice poetic touch to that. No, he was in Galilee, and he, went, he pointed to this mountain, and you know what was on top of that mountain? You got it, a city. And so he's doing the same thing here, and as they're looking at this vineyard, they understood now a little bit more that you and I need just a little assistance with as the master himself goes to the marketplace. In other words, he leaves his plantation, and he goes in town, and he finds the day laborers. And it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Because again, that calendar, that, the clock, we're a little different today. The day began at 6. We find that this, this time is starting the, as the sun would come up. He found those and he hired those that would go into his vineyard. By 9 o'clock, he goes back to the marketplace. Those that's already been to three hours are still working. And he finds others that are there. And he said, you know, I need a few more laborers. And this is, I'll take care of you at the end of the day. He went back again at noon. He went back at three in the afternoon. And then he goes back. And instead of uh, having another three-hour sequence, because you see it would have been dark at 6 p.m., he goes at five. And it's obvious now, this is why the expression is used of the 11th hour workers, that he realizes that there is still harvest that would be lost if it was not be harvested in that next hour. And the people I've already hired are not adequate enough. I need just a few more workers to get the job done. But not only that, what also is important to understand is this is the grape harvest, and it comes in in September. Well, there's also something else that happens right on the heels of the end of September. You got it. The rains start coming back. If the harvest isn't collected at this time, it will be lost forever. So there is this push. There is this, this franticness about a timeline that I, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes because if I don't get it now, it will forever be lost. All the effort up till now would be lost. Preparing the soil and, and, and taking care of the plants. In other cases, you're planting. Whatever the case in this particular harvest, here all this season has happened, and now we're to its crowning time. We're coming to the harvest time, and it's his harvest. It's his. 
And I don't want to pillow my head tonight knowing that there was still some of that out there. I've made all this effort. Think of all the lives that need what I have, and if it spoils on the vine, there's going to be people in the future that will do without. I've got to have my harvest in. Now when we understand that a little bit more, now we understand he's teaching kingdom principles. And it all comes back to attitudes. In this particular story, if we're very honest, we found ourselves, if we had been out there since 6 o'clock in the morning, and someone else comes in at 5 in the afternoon, and you get paid the same, I wonder how you would think. If you didn't grumble with your mouth, you were grumbling in your mind. Who are these Johnny-come-latelys? Poor old Johnny. Gets blamed every time. Does he not see the perspiration on my brow? Does he not see the calluses on my hands? Does he not care that I tore a hole in my pants while I was out here working? Of course, today you would be right in style, wouldn't you? Whatever the case. This is, he's really, he knew this was a singer. It's going to speak. They felt entitled. There's the word. So can I have a few minutes to be a pastor? I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. It is not just job security for me. Many of you know parts of my story. My sister's here. She knows a lot of my story. My wife's here. My son's here. They know a lot of my story. But I believe in the church of Jesus Christ. I've been in it my entire life. I've had different flags flown and different names attached. But at the end of the day, it's all been for him. I've had the privilege of knowing the church's nurseries and its Sunday schools and its children's churches. I've known it in its evangelism programs in the house and outside of the house. I've known what it is to be in its music programs. I know what it is to be in the big group, on to the solo work. I know what it is to work with the finances. I know what it is, <clears throat> and the list just goes on and on, of the experiences with the different titles, the different responsibilities, the time invested. I know what it is to be seen as young, and now I know what it is to be a little older. I know what it is to work with all the different ages. I know what it is to do nursing home ministry. I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. And along the way, I will tell you that there have been some times that tears have come, and you've gone through great anguish and pain. There are other times the joy of the Lord is so strong, you can't contain yourself. I know what it is to go to church, and you're like, well, I don't think anything monumental happened today. Nothing happened monumental last week. Pastor's not preaching good enough these days. I know what it is that the choir didn't sing good enough today, or they didn't. And I know, so in other words, we know what it is to have the highs and the lows, the ebbs and the flows. We know what it is, don't we? We're living in a time in which this thing called church is really being contested. Do we really see the purpose of it any longer? And do we go back to what Paul realized in Galatians, that we have opportunity to, through love, serve one another. Can we get real honest with this? There are times sometimes we're grumbling that we have to serve somebody else. That was a good place for an amen. Because if you don't say that, I think I'm talking about you. 
There are times you just continue to do, teach your class, sing a song, knock on a door, balance the books, and you're like, I really have a stinky attitude right now. And I don't care if this person gets healed or not, but I'm going to lay my hands on and pray for them because that's what I'm supposed to do. So you guys know my style. But I got the credentials to back all this up. So let's make it real. We have opportunity to serve. But I have opportunity to do it in love or be begrudging. How many times have I had opportunity that you've had opportunity to do something in the name of the Lord and everything's going fine until your attitude gets stinking and you're just like, it just evaporates before you. The reward that could have happened just disintegrated because of a rotten attitude. Am I preaching good right now? This thing called love comes from God, and it is that, it's an opportunity every day of our life. Don't we also amaze ourselves on the other side? Sometimes we're doing something, and others come up and say, I wouldn't do that if you paid me ten times over what you're making right now. But in that moment of time, you're so in love with the Lord, and you're just like, I'm just privileged to serve him. I'm an extension of who he is. And you just work through it, and others are like amazed. How do you spend the mid, burn the midnight oil? How, why did you spend money out of your own pocket? Why did you take the time to do this? It's because, again, we're realizing this great truth. This thing called church, it's still his, the last time I checked. It's his church. Whether it's church of God, assemblies of God, glory to God, whatever it is. It's his. His church. He purchased it. His. And he gives us opportunity to do this thing called church. We worship together. We encourage one another. We pray one for another. We go the extra mile. We prepare meals for different ones. Whatever the case, we have the opportunity. Those of us that's been around a while and we've learned some things, we get the privilege of sharing it with somebody else. You see, again, if we're not careful, we'll let the world culture teach us other words like seniority. Superiority. Have you ever had anybody in church, I can't imagine this happening, but have you ever had anybody come to church and say, how many years have you been going here? And you know right on the heels of that, they're going to tell you, I've been there more years than you have. Here's your sign. <laughs> Singing in a choir. I, ministers of music, you've never seen the flesh show up in a choir, have you? <laughs> We're going to sing this solo today. Oh, but I sang that back in 1949. Preach. Preach it, bro. <laughs> we better laugh at ourselves to realize what the Master is reminding us of. The privilege of serving him. The privilege. You see, we're living in a time of consumerism. Churches are measured by how good's the program today. And that's always going to be a part of a culture, and we're in that world. But there has to be more. The privilege of coming together and knowing that as God's word goes forth, that our faith is once again stretched. Our faith comes by hearing that. 
And there's just something about those words of his infused with his spirit. And all of a sudden, in a moment like this, yes, God, thank you for reminding. Thank you for challenging me. Thank you for letting me know again the privilege that it is to be called yours. And that I didn't choose you, but you chose me. And in that plan for my life, you've already ordained it. You've signed off on it that I'm going to be productive in life. I'm going to be successful in life. That I can honor you as I continue in this thing called love and learn to love others by serving them. Wow. Again, if Jesus came in here, I, I really don't know how much preaching he would do verbally in this hour. Maybe he would just come up here today and kind of point to Pastor Brooks and just gently just let me know, have a seat. And then he'd go back here and he'd just probably get a towel and wrap it around his waist. And just look at us for a moment. And then he might go get a basin of water and start watching, washing Kim's feet. And he says, and this is what you get to do. You're going to wash some feet of some kings. And you don't care if they have toe jam. You're washing the king's feet. But then there might be someone that you have a bias or prejudice against. And you're like, do I really have to do that? But then you remember they're his. And if he was here, he'd wash their feet. And that whole overwhelming privilege again, not to begrudge his generosity, but to come back. See, all these parables, parable of talents, we, we're reminded it's all about him. Because we could take the talents and say, well, it's not fair that he got five talents and I only got one talent. We're missing the mark. We're missing the point. The privilege that he gave me anything, that he gave me a talent, whether it's monetarily or an attribute, an ability that he's in, in, in given to me, infused in me, and I get the privilege. Maybe I can speak better than someone else. Maybe I can sing better than someone else. Maybe I'm better with numbers than somebody else. Maybe, 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 maybe. And you realize, but Lord, what a privilege. You didn't have to give me anything. But you did. And I want to honor you with that. You see, we can't lose this doing this thing called church. So let me finish with this. This word, as I get those moments to do just little teaching segments anymore, there's a word every one of us know that we have to be so cautious of. And it's the word expectations. Life is filled with expectations. I will take you one step further. Expectations usually birth something. Sometimes fulfillment. Sometimes euphoria. But many times, disappointment. Well, Pastor, I thought you were going to build me up today. Disappointment is always a child of expectation. We can't help but have dreams and plans. And thoughts. Can we just kind of play through some of these? How many of us have 
have thought, you know what, I, I, I'm struggling, lusting after the opposite sex. I, if I get married, I'll never lust be, for anybody else. I expected that to happen, but now I'm disillusioned because I still am battling lust even though I have a spouse. How many times we've we been there? You know what will really just unite our family? Let's have children. And children will be joy in our household. We'll love the pitter-patter of their feet. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And sometimes that child crushes the heart of the person who birthed an expectation. If I can, if I can just get this one job, oh, my life will be complete. Now, Carrie, you contain yourself. If I can just get a church job. As he looks over, he glasses at me. I've had people tell me that now. How many decades? I wish I had your job. <laughs> One particular individual comes to mind, and I can't say their name because many of you know this person. They looked at me and said, hey, you know, you just got it made. Just go to church, and all you do is sit around and go down to the gymnasium and play basketball. This was several years ago. I just wish I had your job. In other words, all of us have this thing called expectations. If, if I can just get an increase in salary, I'll, I'll meet my budget. I'll never complain again. If I can just get this SUV, if I can just get this truck, if, 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 and all these expectations just keep going on to this place of disappointment. And here's what happens with disappointment. If we're not careful, then it births cynicism. And now we find ourselves not willing to believe God again. This is good preaching, folks. I, 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 it's not worth it. I don't want to trust God again because the last time I really got disappointed. He failed me. I failed him. I don't know. It just didn't work out very well. I thought, and oh my goodness, how many times have I had someone come in the doors of a church? This church is no different. We've just come from such and such church, but pastor, I heard you preach today. Wow, you're the best preacher ever. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is not going well. <laughs> Give me another week and you'll change your mind. You preach too long, you preach too short, you don't use enough words, you, you don't have enough hair, whatever it is. <laughs> Expectations. You know you hurt me when you laugh like that, you really, you really do. I expected a kinder laugh. Now I'm disappointed, you rascal. You see, this is what happens. It's the trick of the enemy. To get us to where, okay, I'll go to church. Just dare to move me, God. Ah, uh, you raise money for these ministries. I'll give you a $5 bill. Let's just see what God can do with that. And it just goes on and on and on till we come back to realize we have opportunity. We have opportunity to serve in love. Are you going to face disappointments in life? Get ready for it. Yes!
Life will always be checkered with successes and failures as we see them. Always. It will always rain upon the just and the unjust just alike. You go to the commentary, the Brooks commentary that I like so well. When it rains, we all get wet. Life will do that. But the kingdom teaches us good comes out of all things to those who love God and called. Called to what? Called to this love. Called to an opportunity to serve one another. Called. Good comes out of all things. God, I don't know how. How many times have I prayed this? God, I don't know how good's going to come out of this. But you're faithful to your word. I don't understand through a sickness how God can do anything good. But good comes out of sickness. God, in times of loss, in times when I'm misunderstood, at times when I'm abandoned, at times when I'm rejected, at times when I've been such a good little boy and I did everything right, how did this happen? Why did this person betray me? Why did this person get involved in that gossip? Why, 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 why? Life will always be checkered with that. We come back to this truth. He's telling us. You see, we wear thin. I, I trust today just going through this parable again is helping others to believe him again, to trust him again, to honor him again, to know. One of the first scriptures I memorized beyond Jesus wept, we all learned that one quick, in John 3, 16. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common among men. There's a big old butt in that verse. But God is faithful. Who won't allow you, will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able. And who will with that moment of trial or temptation make a way of escape. Whew. Man, I have camped out on that verse so many times in life. Whether it's a lustful situation for things or persons or opportunity. Whatever your thing might be. Just stand on his word and stand under the promise and say, God, you have promised that you won't put more on me than I can handle. And you know what? I'm up to here right now. And I look around and there's not a window to crawl through. There's not a door to walk through. There's not an escape hatch. But by faith, God, you're faithful to your word. And just watch him start carving out just like he did on that mountain the day before Moses. And all of a sudden you're saying, he's making a way of escape. I didn't see it. It wasn't there just seconds ago. But there you are again, faithful to your word. Word, God, you're making a way of escape. And God, if I hadn't been in this crucible, if I hadn't been pressured, I would have never known that about you. It would have always been somebody else's testimony. It would have always been somebody else's story. It would have always been somebody else having a glorious moment. But God, you've done it for me. God, help me to stay true to your word. Will you stand with me today?